0: Welcome to Quarantine Creatives. I'm Heath Rossella. Summertime is here. Getting the RV out, doing some traveling lately. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen all the places that I've been. We've been to Vermont lately. We've been to Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Been all over in that thing. <laughs> Bought an RV last summer, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. And planning for a big trip later in the summer. And... It's been getting me to think about America and just kind of where we are right now and what divides us and what unifies us. I was very lucky to work for this old house for 15 years, and I got to travel all across the country with that. Went to every single state with that show, shot a segment in every state, and really loved just being able to be kind of at the grassroots level and really see how people lived in their houses, you know? Obviously, we'd we'd stay in... Nice downtown hotels some of the time and eating nice restaurants at night. But during the day, we were just out in the suburban neighborhoods seeing what life was like. And I want my kids to have that too. So, you know, we're planning this trip. We're going to go to Virginia and Delaware, Maryland, West Virginia, states that haven't always been high on my tourism bucket list or where I feel like maybe my my politics or my personality or whatever might not align with what's there. But I also don't want to pass on those prejudices to my children, and I want them to explore this country and understand it and realize that there's a lot that divides us, a lot that makes us different, and a lot that makes us the same. And honestly, a lot of the differences do come from cultural difference and regional difference. And, you know, each part of the country is unique as a function of the landscape? Is it mountainous? Is it beaches? Is it prairie? A function of the climate? Is it hot all the time? Is it cold all the time? What grows there food-wise? And yeah, food and diet and everything plays a role in that. So I don't know. This has just been kind of kicking around in my brain, this idea of what America means and what it means in 2022 and how I pass on my vision for America and my understanding of it to my kids but also let them form their own version. Alejandra Ramos is my guest today. She's the host of the new PBS show, The Great American Recipe. It premieres on June 24th on PBS. Check your local listings for that. And I guess the reason I was talking about sort of what makes us American right now is because Alejandra's show dives into that in a really interesting way. It's a cooking competition show, kind of in the the Great British Bake Off mold, although it's exploring specifically American cuisine and recipes that matter to people. And what I really like, and and we talk about this today, is that the way that they define American food on this show, it's a huge umbrella. There is American food that's influenced by Latino cultures. There's American food that's influenced by Asian cultures, by European cultures, Middle Eastern cultures, African cultures, And then there's the food where all of those different elements or one or two of those elements come together and make this beautiful mix. I mean, I think about myself, like I'm Filipino, I'm Irish, I'm German. I've got all these different parts of me that come together and somehow make one cohesive whole. And so too with our country and so too with our food. And I can't deny the Irish part of me or the Filipino part of me or the German part of me. They're all individual parts of me but I'm also cohesive, and that's how I feel about The Great American Recipe. I don't know. It's a, it's a really cool show. I really loved I get to see one of the episodes uh, before this interview, and I'm really excited for more of them coming June 24th on PBS. So we definitely talk about the show here, but we also talk about Alejandra's history and just coming up in the food entertainment business and sort of how she got into it. It's it's a really cool story. I won't get into it too deep because you're going to hear it here in a minute and I'll let her tell it way better than I could summarize it right now. But uh it's a it's a journey and I think while a lot of people now see Instagram or TikTok or whatever as a path to to stardom or fame or influence that's an option and that that could happen, but it doesn't come without a lot of hard work, a lot of things behind the scenes. You don't always get to see that. You don't always get to appreciate it. But Alejandra talks about just what it took to get to this moment where she's hosting a PBS show. A lot of Alejandra's history prior to the Great American Recipe is with the Today Show. She's a contributor and uh, shares recipes on there all the time. And I've done a lot of work for them as well. So we talked a lot about the Today Show and just the uh, the institution, the legacy, what it's like to to do work for them. That was a fun part of this. And yeah, just hearing her journey was was a real inspiration. So I hope you'll take something away from it. Here it is, my conversation with Alejandro Ramos. So I want to start with just kind of the big picture question of talking about these last two plus years now of, you know, pandemic time. What has this whole period been like for you?
1: So I think what's really interesting is that I sort of went into pandemic. So basically that kind of 2019 into 2020 transition thinking this is going to be my best year ever. (laughs) I had, (laughs) Uh, and I know I'm not alone in this, but it really was after several years of kind of working in the TV industry and sort of, you know, really kind of doing a lot of having little small parts and contributing on shows and being guests and auditioning for 10,000 things. i suddenly got into a spot where I was getting some great projects. My calendar was booked like through April. Yep. Uh, with just nonstop shoots, I had started working with Food Network. They had just launched an app, and I was doing these cooking classes. So I was at Chelsea Market, doing these live cooking videos and cooking all these sorts of great projects with them, which was a total dream come true for someone who always wanted to do food TV. I was literally at like the Food Network studios all the time, uh, and I was also working on a few other things and also at Today Show. And so it was just this this really rich kind of exciting time. Yeah, and then. Uh, once things started locking down, it was just this sort of, I remember being on an elevator with one of my producers doing a shoot. I was doing something for Amazon at the time and we were going up and they had called me that morning and they said, could you bring an extra outfit today? Cause we just want to shoot an Easter show just in case we, you know, something happens. Cause it was a sponsored show and they wanted right. to make sure they had it. So I was like, yeah, sure. So I did it. And then I was talking to her on the elevator and I said, I was like, oh, I was like, so are we going to be shutting down next week? And she's like, oh, no, no, I don't think it's going to be anything that serious. This is just a <laughs> precaution. Yeah. And I was like, I think it is going to be that serious, but okay. And I think that was a Thursday. And then I think by like 2 p.m. the following day, they were like, yeah, we canceled everything for next week. And then suddenly it was everything got canceled. I just remembered my calendar was so full and it was just like crossing every single thing out for uh-huh. months. Basically I didn't work for about six months oh, from wow. basically early March through uh September, October, I think. Yeah, I didn't I didn't work at all. And I was just home, I started gardening, I um spent a lot of time with my dog <laughs> <laughs> I cooked and I did all these kinds of things, but it was, yeah, there were no, no projects, no shoots. And then finally, I, um, a lot of the companies that I've been working with, so Food Network and Amazon and Today Show, they started doing remotes. And so that's when I started doing segments and videos and things from my apartment, which is a New York apartment, it's small. The kitchen is a sort of galley style. So it's not really, you know, there's no island or anything like that. So it's not ideal right. for shooting, cooking content. And I dressed it up as best as I could, but it was really hard. And then so after a few months of doing that, I finally, I was like, I need a space. And I'd always dreamed of having like my own studio, my own workshop, my sure. own sort of space. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe now is the time because the rents are really dropping. Nobody was in the city. Uh, and I ended up finding a little studio apartment two blocks down from where I live and it had the perfect layout. So I rented it and I turned it into a sort of kitchen studio and I like, yeah. And I just built it out myself. Like I did, I put tiles in, I did the, like the led lighting I did. Uh, I got an Island. I just completely, it was basically just a small white box Yeah. and then I turned it into a little shooting studio. And then from there I started doing all my shoots and because it looked so good, then I started getting more work because people were like, oh, you've got the lighting and the cameras and this place looks great. And yeah. so I started doing more and more remotes and I started doing Today Show very, very regularly because uh, they could even just call me like late at night and say, hey, we know it's last minute, but do you think you could do something for the 8 a.m. tomorrow? And I would just stay up all night and do it, which was not something you could do in the regular studio, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. You gotta
0: <laughs> yeah. bring the props in and everything. And were you like <laughs> exactly. this? This space, were like, were you self shooting everything, or did you have a crew and things helping you, or like, how did that all work?
1: A hundred percent, just me. So uh, I was a, a full team of one, which was, I mean, it was difficult because uh, TV is obviously, as you know, very much a collaborative project, sure. and it's all of these incredibly talented people who are so good at what they do, like their very specific thing, whether that's wardrobe or makeup or cameras or audio or props, uh, all of these different things that people are so good at. And now suddenly I had to kind of take over all of that. Right. So I was my own hair, makeup, wardrobe, food stylist, camera, lighting, audio, props person. I'd had to like wash my dishes in between shoots and <laughs> uh, like did my own shipping because I was getting products sent to me and then I'd have to like clean and ship them back. I mean, it was a whole, like it, I took on all these jobs and I'd always appreciated everyone that I worked with and I'd always loved being around people and learning. And I'm always the kind of person that like, no matter who I'm with on set, I always want to know, like, I'm right. like, what's it, like, I want to know what the camera I I want to know what the microphone i want to know about what lipstick are they using on me all of these details so i think that actually came in handy because i was like oh i've learned so much right. <laughs> but-,
0: <laughs> but there's such different parts of your brain too i mean to try to engage you know like kind of the technical piece the audio and the video but then the performance piece the the look exactly. of it like for, you say hair and makeup but also the food styling like just every part of that kind of needs to come together and it's when that's so all much. on your shoulders. Yeah. Like what's yeah. that like? Just trying to keep all those <laughs> different parts straight in your head.
1: <laughs> well, it's exhausting. And I remember at the very, at the very beginning of it, when I first started doing my remote segments and it was just this sort of, I remember actually like crying at one point, cause I was like, this is not what I'm good at. Yeah. And I don't have, like, there was a lot of, you know, some of my like, Coworkers and things. They went home to their like parents' house or their like Hamptons' house, or that you know they had these like beautiful spaces and they had family and people with them who could really help them out. Here, it just me and my husband. He was working full time remote. He's a software developer, so his job didn't really change that much. Otherwise, it, you know, he just moved from one computer to another. <laughs> right. Um, but but for me, I was suddenly trying to figure all this out by myself, and it felt so frustrating because you already have that loneliness of you know lockdown and sure. quarantine and, and you know. That Like in our regular lives, right? Not being able to be with friends and family and people that we love. and um, But then on top of that, trying to suddenly learn all of these tasks by myself. And it was just this really frustrating thing because I was like, I just want to do the thing that I'm good at. Right. I don't want to have to worry about all these other things. Even things like my Wi-Fi wasn't great. So I had to like upgrade the Wi-Fi and I had to buy new lighting. I bought so much equipment. <laughs> Um, and it was all these costs that suddenly fell on me because suddenly people were covering that. So suddenly I was paying for things that had been covered beforehand, even something as simple as my on-camera makeup yeah. that, that used to be provided for me. And now that suddenly that I was, instead of going through that, changing it out twice a, twice a year, now I was suddenly going through it like very, very quickly, just like weeks worth of makeup that would just disappear quickly. And that's expensive. Um, so it was like all these sort of things where you're like, oh, I'm just taking this on. So I was dying. To just get back in the studio, to be with people, to share ideas, to kind of just interact and, and to also for all of us to each be able to focus on the things that we are so good at. Yeah. Like I have friends from today that were, you know, like in wardrobe and hair and makeup that they were out of work for a long time because they they really limited what they were doing and I was just like, like seeing them also on Instagram and on Twitter and what they were up to. They're just like also in their. Everybody was in their gardens. Basically we yeah. just everybody's in gardens or in the park or just, you know, sitting on the, um, on the rooftops and stuff. Cause you no, know, so many people were not able to do the work that they're so good at. And that, right. that me so sad,
0: but it is interesting that like that gardening piece and, and you touched on it for yourself too, that you were doing a lot mm-hmm. of gardening and things like, I feel like, being a food content creator, like that was a really perfect niche because people were home. There was a bigger focus on food. There was a bigger focus on cooking. You know, I think we just, we weren't eating out as much and we weren't, you know, we had to figure out how to do it ourselves. There were food shortages, you know, people had to get creative with like, you know, making sourdough or something because they couldn't get yeast. Like, did you find, were were you having to adapt recipes or or styles of cooking or anything just because there was a different demand for content?
1: Well, I think there was two elements of it. So one of it was absolutely trying to find ways to help people either use what they have or what was now available to them or just the idea of people not wanting to go shopping as often so that living more on pantry staples and, and things that last longer. Um, so there was that kind of side of it, uh, helping people sort of troubleshoot and problem solve and, and create things that would feel exciting and fun and have that sort of freshness of trying new things when you go to a restaurant. I remember around that time I I pitched a segment and it was about like little things that you could do to your meals at home to kind of give you that same feeling oh,
0: that you get
1: from meals at like things that chefs in restaurants do that, people at home typically wouldn't.
0: What is it, like so, garnishes or salt? It would be, yeah. Like what, yeah.
1: Definitely salt. Seasoning and salt is a huge one uh, just in terms of the the amount of fat and the amount of salt that is used is just so much greater. I don't I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a great thing. Uh, I think that adds flavor and it wakes up all the the sort of nuances of a dish. Sure. Um, so encouraging people to kind of up those amounts and be a little bit risky with that, absolutely. And even just little things like you know, toasting nuts or toasting mm, spices, sure. taking your like salad greens and dunking them in like ice water before you make a salad. It just gives it this sort of fresh crispness, uh, adding citrus and fresh herbs and things at the end of your dish to kind of make things pop. So, yeah, so little those little sort of touches that I think people don't typically think to do at home that kind of separate a, a restaurant dish from something you'd have you'd make yourself. Yeah. So we did little things like that. And it was a lot of that was just sort of provide inspiration and to kind of find new ways and and fun ways to sort of interact with food. But I'll also say that like, I know I had a lot of friends who are in the food industry who are very good about creating tons of content during this time and about like, just, you know, coming up with recipes and coming up with pantry staples and all these sorts of things. For me, I was depressed. Like I, I sort of stepped away from kind of the creating content and uh, the, the the doing all of that stuff. Cause I was like, I think I want to just sort of focus on me and my home and, you know, being with my husband and, and that's how I sort of got into gardening. And I spent a lot of time with my dogs and walking and just kind of taking those, those things were more a priority to me than like pumping out content yeah. at that point. It was one of those things where I was like, you know, how do I want to spend my days? What do I want to prioritize? I would prefer to be in a studio shooting and making amazing television, but I can't. So at this moment, what is it that I actually want to do versus what do I think I have to do? So basically mm-hmm. using that sort of quiet and that pause and that moment to um, kind of center myself. And I think it it really was great because it really kind of allowed me to focus on what are the things that truly give me joy in terms of food and the work and the projects that I was taking on? Like, what are the things that I was doing just because I thought I had to do them or I thought I had to kind of keep up that rush and stay in people's faces so that, you know, they don't forget about you. Right. <laughs> and so you get more opportunities. And what was I doing? Because I actually really enjoyed it. And being at home, you know, I had to do so many jobs, but it also meant that I had less like... I had much more control, right? Right, Like being on my own meant that I had control over what I was doing. So doing my own makeup meant that I could do whatever makeup I wanted. And being in charge of my own uh, food styling meant that I could really dress it up the way that I wanted. And uh, with today's Show, even in the past, you would have to get all your recipes approved and send things in advance. And there was all that sort of stuff where now it was more like, what can you do for us? Right. And, I'll, yeah, and
0: we need and it four was minutes at, at twenty six <laughs> today. Yeah. What can you do? Literally
1: that. Yeah. And it would be like, all right, I could do. I have oranges. I can do like some citrus pancakes. Like it would be that kind of a thing where I would just sort of. Uh, I, I got so much more control over what I did. And I think it gave me so much confidence too, because even now, as we return to the studios and with my show and with today's Show and with all these shoots, I kind of came in, I think, as a sort of stronger, more confident person where when someone suggested something that I didn't really truly love or that didn't really align with me and my values or my brand or my style, I'm much more willing to say, no, that doesn't work for me. Yeah, Even things as simple as like, I hate wearing aprons. I've always hated wearing aprons. And on today's Show, we always had to wear aprons. And I always hated it. <laughs> and then, and then there were, I always noticed that like the sort of the celebrity yeah. chefs never really had to, right? Like Martha Stewart never right. really wore the apron. <laughs> and so when I came back, I was like, I'm not going to wear the apron anymore. I, I've never liked this apron. I'm just going to say I'm not comfortable wearing it. And it was offered to me once. And I said, no, thank you. Yeah. And that was that. And it was just little things like that where I was like, no, this is what I'm comfortable doing. This is what I'd like to say. I don't think that's a good fit for me. And it's that sort of that moment alone of being the one in charge kind of gave me that much more sort of authority and confidence to to really own uh, the things that are true and important to me.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's so important, too, that you were willing to take that pause. And like, I, I think thinking back to 2020, like not knowing if we were in it for, you know, three weeks or, yeah. you know, it just kind of kept like every time feeling like, okay, I guess it's going to be another month or two and then we'll see. And, you know, all of a sudden it was December, but yeah. like, you know, to, to say, I'm going to enjoy that time for what it is. I'm going to hang out with my husband and my dogs and not, not feel like I have to be doing something for other people. I, I think, you know, especially kind of in this attention economy where it's like, what is your latest tweet? What is your latest post? People worry about becoming irrelevant, or you know, exactly losing their voice. And I, I, th- I think it's so nice now that like you've come out the other side, and you've got this PBS show. Like part of the reason I wanted to talk to you actually was just the tweet yeah. you sent a couple weeks ago. That I love this just being able to answer the "what do you do" question with "I'm a TV host." My show premieres next month on PBS. After ten plus years of not having an answer, I was satisfied with. Feels so yeah. good. Like I, I just love the spirit of that, and I feel like that. Maybe couldn't have happened if you hadn't have taken that breath and just said, "Where do I want my career to go? Who do I want to be?"
1: Absolutely, the, it was a very scary time, and I know I come from a position of privilege where I did have the ability to stay home. My husband's job didn't change. We had a steady income. We sure. had insurance. Where you know I was in a safe place. I could afford to to do these kinds of things. So I, I completely acknowledge that privilege, but it was also very much like this is literally a time of life and death. And like, there's, you know, loss of life all around us. And I'm like, so what is important to me and what do I value and what do I want to prioritize in this time? And that's big things and little things. And so there were times where I was like, you know, I don't want to spend my time doing this. I don't yeah. like making chicken breast recipes all the time just because that's a popular protein. And so it was being able to, to say, look, I'm not going to waste my time doing stuff just because I think it's what's going to be popular, what's going to do the best uh, in terms of analytics uh and instead i'm going to do things that really are genuinely exciting to me and that feel true to me and that are delicious and and are fun and that i can play around with and maybe it's not going to be something that gets you know the most attention or likes or retweets or whatever but it is going to strike a chord with people for whom it really matters sure and in terms of the show itself like it literally was Part of the reason that they even found out about me for this is because one of our executives on the show, uh, she's a big Today Show fan, and she saw me on the show. Yeah, and so that's where she kind of she was like, "Oh, she's great," and she got my name and she added my name to the list of people they were considering for this host role. And so it literally was from one of those segments that I kind of dreamed up and you know was told, "Hey, you have 5 minutes tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Can you figure this out?" Uh so she got to see me basically like at my most me. Yeah. Right? She saw me like as Alejandra 100% recipes that I love, wearing a dress that I loved, having fun and playing around and in my studio that I had literally built from the ground up. Uh so she it's I mean, what better audition is there, right? They always say be yourself. And so that was me being myself, and she got to see that, and it struck a chord with her and that is I think a really huge reason how I ended up hosting the show
0: that's awesome um when did you actually like shoot that show when when was when did kind of print it from the time that you know this producer saw you on the Today show to like actually being on set? What was that sort of timeline like and when what happened kind of in between that time?
1: absolutely so I don't know the exact time of when I ended up on the list, but it was a few months before we shot it in September. So it was, I think, uh, about 20, 22 days in September. Okay. And then um, they announced it. I know that they announced it August 10th, which I remembered because – August tenth, twenty fifteen, was my first ever national Today Show segment. Oh wow! And then yeah, and then August tenth, twenty twenty one, was when I think the you know the story came out saying that I was I was going to be hosting the show and all the all the trades were featuring that and it was it was just so perfect because it was like it was August tenth.
0: But that's um, I, I you, like that's yeah. a wild <laughs> like six years. You know, like people. Th- yeah. You know, they they see you know like I I just discovered you through this tweet and was like whoa this is awesome and I started watching the show and stuff but like yeah. You know, that's a lot of work. And even I'm sure to land that first Today Show six years prior to that was a lot of work. Like just uh, how much, uh, I'm curious just about like, how you got to where you were too, I guess of like yeah. all that stuff that people don't see. Right.
1: Well, I mean, it really is one of the, and that was one of the reasons why I even said it. Cause I was like, it's, it was 10 years of yeah. like before I started out in magazines. Um, I had worked as a magazine editor with Hearst international. So I was a New York editor for 16 of our international editions of Cosmopolitan magazine, Oh wow! which it was one of those jobs. And the, that was one of the things it was, that was a job that I'd go to a party and someone said, what do you do? And I'd be like, Oh, I'm an editor at Cosmo. And people would be like, Oh, Wow. But I wasn't happy with that answer because I didn't really love my job. Yeah. I was in a sort of a more of a brand management kind of position where basically all I did was answer
0: emails. Yeah.
1: Um, it sounds really so great it,
0: to outsiders, but <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: It sounds really glamorous. It sounds really fun. Yeah, sometimes like George Clooney would be going down the elevator, but you know, I wasn't in the super glamorous part. And and for me, I wasn't happy to be there. And so I ended up leaving that position. I started I, was, I started a food blog on the side. I started cooking on the side. I would basically stay up all night working on food projects and catering, and I was making wedding cakes on the weekends. Yeah. Uh and the, and the then Cosmo come job and, yeah.
0: wasn't food related. That was No, yeah. it
1: wasn't food related related at all. And then I remember one day they had in the building in the Hearst um tower, the corporate cafeteria had a they always had like fun activations. Uh-huh. And one of their things that they did was a soup contest where they invited people from all over the building you know, anyone who worked in the Hearst Tower to uh submit a recipe. And then they would do a recipe contest. And then someone would pull up the prize, which is a very dubious prize, was that you would work in the cafeteria that day and make <laughs> your soup. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you <know? laughs> But at the time, me stuck at my desk, yeah. miserable, that sounded really cool. And so I submitted my recipe and I won. Nice. And it was so I spent that day cooking. But the thing was I actually had to take a vacation day to work in the cafeteria. Really?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I think I got I think I did a half day and I worked in the cafeteria making my soup. Uh, and then I served it like I was in a chef, co- they loaned me a chef coat and it was uh-huh. like a large men's coat. It was way too big. So I had to roll up the sleeves. And I was in there like serving my soup and there's photos of it somewhere. Uh, but I was just like the happiest kid in the world. I was so happy, like chopping onions and making soup and in in my big chef coat, serving soup to everybody I mean, and this is like it 's the hearse hour, so it was literally, like Gail King came to have my soup and like wow. it's all these all the like fancy editors and and everyone came in and I was just serving them my soup and I remember thinking, I am so much happier here than I am upstairs in my like fancy. office. Yeah. And that was when it's those wheels kind of started turning where I was like, where is it that I want to be? You know, what are the things that truly make me happy? And I guess it's it's sort of, you know, echoed what, what went through during during lockdown, right? It's that sort of thing's like prioritizing the things that are truly important, the things that really do truly make you happy, um, that feel just true to you. Not yeah. So not long after that, I ended up leaving that job and just kind of going full time into I just sort of like threw a bunch of stuff at the wall to see what sticks kind of thing. So I was doing cooking classes. I was doing menu plans. I was like personal chefing and making cakes and cookies and selling them online, like doing all sorts of projects, working with brands. And then the blog and things started taking off. And then my, old editor called me because they had just launched a magazine called Cosmo for Latinas, Uh uh, which is no longer around, (laughs) rest in peace. But they asked me to do the food for it. So I started doing the food pages for that magazine. And then so I was doing the recipes. I was doing everything too. I was doing like the recipes, the photos, all all the copy, the sidebars. I mean, and I don't like, I don't even know how much I got paid, but it was definitely not enough. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then they were like, oh, we need you to promote the magazine. Will you go on TV to do it? So I said, sure, absolutely. And I did, my very first segment was a Cinco de Mayo segment on Univision, like Uh a local New York Univision station. And I did, you know, I did some cocktails and I did the segment. And I just remember feeling like this is, I love this place. This feels like my power space. Like I I was like talking about food, which I loved. I was joking around and entertaining. I got to be sort of like my playful personality, um, but I was also teaching and hopefully inspiring. And it was just fun being on television. Uh, so I just remember that it, it was like this place where I was like, this, this, you know, again, it was that same feeling of like when I was in the kitchen and I was having that great time, again, I was like enjoying myself, but also feeling like I was doing something that was also interesting and good and teaching people. Right. And uh, so yeah, from that moment on, I was like, well, I want to keep doing this. So I started pitching myself. I I hired a publicist to teach me how to be a public. Like she had a program that was called Be Your Own Publicist. It was like DIY publicity. Yeah. Uh, And so I I couldn't hire. I, I couldn't afford a publicist at the time, and so I just hired her to teach me how to be my own. And then she did this like really cool training program, and then I. Basically, became my own publicist, and I would pitch myself out. I'd get contacts. I'd send pitch ideas for all sorts of segments, and I started getting a lot of local shows in both Spanish and English. Uh, And then some of the brands noticed that I was doing these segments. So brands would reach out to me and be like, "Would you do segments for us?" I'm like, "If you guys can pitch me to shows, then yeah, I'll rep your brand." And so then they started doing that, and that's how I started getting some of the larger shows. Because then I had suddenly it wasn't just, you know, me, it was like Edelman or these like big PR companies who would then pitch me out on their behalf. And then I was doing these segments. I started working with Pinterest and doing segments on behalf of Pinterest and Pinterest got me on GMA. I did one segment for GMA and then they got me on my first Today Show segment. And that one went so well that the producers were like, we love you. And they just started calling me again. And then I just started working with them directly on things that weren't brand related, but that were just sort of editorial and fun and summer ideas and, you know, all sorts of entertaining and cooking and recipes.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like that's something that people outside of the industry don't always understand too, is that like, yeah. if you have that one, whatever that first thing is, like if you can land that, that, that lends so much legitimacy, you know what I mean? Yes. Like that, that yes. first yes. A VC VC appearance, even if it's yeah. just in a local market, then you can say, well, I've been over here and then, you know, Telemundo hears about it and they say, oh, well, yeah, let's do that. And then GMA and then the Today Show, you know, it just kind of grows. And it's exactly like, because I've been on the producing side of it. Sometimes, yeah. you know, you just say, oh, they must have vetted her. <laughs> like, she must be awesome. We want her on our <laughs> network, too. You know what I mean? But like, it's,
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, like
0: it, just, it becomes this snowball. And, and I'm not trying to diminish your talent or anything. It's just no, one of no, those no. things that like momentum it's builds, hundred- right?
1: Yeah, it's 100% true because the producers, I mean, TV producers are watching TV, right? Like they're watching and looking for other people. And if they see someone who, yeah, like can handle doing a live segment, and especially the thing too is that local television is harder than national television. National television, the stakes are much higher and obviously you you need to be much more polished and much more professional. But in terms of the actual labor of it, local is a lot harder. Like for my local segments, I was getting up at three o'clock in the morning and showing up with a suitcase filled of my own props, (laughs) all my ingredients. There's no food stylist. There's no teams and stuff for those local ones. You're bringing everything yourself, uh, setting it all up yourself, doing everything yourself. Uh, like, so I'd be like, again, it was, I sort of returned to that during, during lockdown. So sure. I was like, oh yeah, I remember <laughs> when I used to just have to do all 50 jobs. And now here I am doing it again, except that this time, instead of doing it for like a local news station, I'm doing it for today's show. Yeah. But yeah, so it was that kind of thing where it's, it's a lot more work, but it's a great training ground. And that's how you learn how to do all of those things. And you learn how to deal with like, you know, you you learn how to know what you're talking about. You learn how to manage the the amount of time, right? Because sometimes it's five minutes, and then sometimes they're like, "Oh, actually, we only have two and a half minutes." Right. So you, you still got to get it all out. Or even things just like, "Oh, the blender wasn't plugged in," <laughs> and yeah. we're
0: live. And, and, and how do you? So how I, do you make? Yeah. How do you make? Exactly. Out
1: of that? Yeah, and I and I actually really love times when things go wrong cuz i think they're the most fun i think that like if you can just kind of roll with it and play around with it i think that those are some of the most entertaining segments
0: yeah no totally
1: yeah so like that like the mistakes as long as you don't get flustered and get like oh you know if you don't freeze you're good like yeah. just crack a joke you know play around so like oh did somebody not pay the electric bill or <laughs> you know little little things like that that then It just it makes for a much more fun thing because the thing to remember, especially with these morning show segments, is it's not really about teaching the recipe, right? No one's like sitting there with a notebook, writing like two eggs and one half cup of sugar. The recipe's online. If they actually want to make it, that's where they're going to go to get that. There, they just want to be inspired and they want to be entertained. Yeah, and that's your job. So you you can teach like a couple fun tips and ideas, but it's not about saying like the exact measurements and all of that it's really just about kind of getting people excited about the concept of it and then that may drive them to uh to make the recipe or to follow the tips or to check out the site or, or buy the product or whatever it
0: is yeah no totally it, it's interesting too like i've, I've produced some segments for the Today show as well and like mm-hmm. you know you, you spend so much time in pre-pro. I mean, as you say, before the yeah. pandemic, certainly it could be two weeks that you're going back and forth with a producer, and just like every little detail, and making sure you've got you know duplicates of every prop, and just like really getting it all fine tuned. But Absolutely. you you never know, like when you go to to go live like the host that you're working opposite you know the producer preps them as much as they can yeah. but they may have just had to sit down with the the secretary of defense you know 20 minutes yeah, earlier exactly. and they had a whole bunch of homework to do the night before for that interview and they're coming yeah. to you like literally a 10 second countdown like what are we making again and then as you say you've got 6 minutes of content that becomes 4 minutes and so they're trying to lead okay and what's over here that you know and like yeah. as as the guest you've kind of gotta you've gotta roll with that and know that, you know, even if the producer has told you five times before the shoot, make sure that you get the the butter in or, you know, what we have to talk about this kind of butter. Like if if the host is leading you somewhere else, you've got to take that and go with like it's it's a really it's an interesting dance to get down, I guess.
1: It really is an interesting dance. And there's you know, there's times when I you know, like there are some times when there's some stuff that needs to be said, right? Like for example that I was doing a a segment about preserving, like pickles and and preserving fruit and things last summer, and there's safety things that need to be said, sure. right? That like you can absolutely cannot skip. But then for the most part, there's things where it's, where it's just fun. Like I can't be too married to what the the recipe is or the original plan is. Like you really do need to just kind of go with the flow because especially with the host, sometimes they'll just get so excited about something that you were completely not expecting, right? right. <laughs> like you're there talking about. One thing, and then they see like a cool plate, or they've never seen that kind of knife before, or they like they, you know, they, or you know, something that you're making reminds them of something they had at a restaurant sometime three weeks ago. Like, you never know what they're going to say, and you just kind of roll with it. And I think it's just like any conversation, like with anyone that you meet, I think it's important to be curious, to be generous, to um, be open, and just to kind of have fun with it so that that way. I think that's those are the most successful segments, and I think those are the, that that makes for the most successful television. If you come in with things that like need to be said, and yeah. you know, like if you're too rigid, uh, and you get too stressed out about that kind of stuff, then it's not nobody's gonna have any
0: fun. Yeah. Was there ever a moment like I know for me, just kind of the nerve, and again, i I'm on the behind the scenes side of it. I was never yeah. in front of the camera, but just like you know, to show up at, at Studio 1A at, you know, 530 in the morning or whatever, and to to watch that crowd build on the plaza and, you yeah. know, just sort of you hear the music come on, like, you're like, whoa, I'm here. Like, I, I don't know, does that ever, probably at this point, it's it's old hat for you, maybe, you know, six, seven years in, but like, does that ever, do you ever have that moment where you're just like, whoa, like, I'm part of this show that's been going on for, you know, 50, 60 years, whatever it is at this point, And like, what a weird. 70. It's 70. They just
1: had geez. their 70th anniversary. Um, yeah, I will say it is never not thrilling. Yeah. And I am always so excited to be there. And I'm like, I'm never not just wowed by it, right? Because yeah, like you said, this is it's it's this legend of a show. Yeah. And it's this 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 part of history and, and to get to have a part of that is to me personally, always super exciting. And I'm always so grateful. Like I am like a kid in a candy store when I'm there. And I, I, so, um, I'll I'll go back a little bit with, so my dad was actually a TV. It was on television. My dad was a TV news anchor for 40 years. Yeah. So he actually worked with Helamundo for 40 years. And that was part of the thing too, because when I was a kid, he was like, do you want to go into TV? And I was like, absolutely not. But here I am. Yeah. So he was, but he was obviously very much in the news side of things. But I remember one time when I had just started doing TV stuff and I went with him to an event at 30 Rock because Telemundo is part of, of NBC and yeah. there was, you know, he was at some events. So I went with him and I remember after the event, we were walking out. It was at the Sea Grill and Rockefeller Center and we were walking out and we passed by 1A, like outside the, uh, the studio where you can look in and, sure. you know, all the lights were off and stuff, but we were looking in. And my dad told me the story about when he was starting out as a young reporter at his news studio, he used to like walk along the sort of catwalk that went over the newsroom Uh and he would always look down at the news desk and he would sort of visualize himself there. And it wasn't like, an you know, it wasn't like he'd stop and look at it, but he just said that anytime he passed by the desk, he would see himself there. Oh. And he would always see himself there. And that was just sort of his kind of, you know, and he'd just be going about his day, doing his things and his job and whatever. But it was this sort of like instinctive thing that every time he saw that anchor chair, he would see himself in the anchor chair. And sure enough, a few years later, he ended up in that anger chair. He was filling in for someone at the last minute and then they ended up loving him. So they kept him as a sort of regular villain. And he and he so we're standing outside Studio 1A and he's like, if this is what you want, he's like, you need to picture yourself there. And I remember him pointing into the studio and just being like, you need to see yourself doing a cooking segment there, talking uh, to the audience there in front of the cameras and we were just kind of standing out there and looking at it and i just i just remember that it stayed in my mind then you know august 10th twenty fifteenth, when i was finally doing my very first today show segment i just remember i had that flashback to that moment of my dad being like you need to picture yourself there you can see yourself there and and i was like i'm here i'm here i'm in this place where i pictured myself this thing that i had dreamed about for years it was very emotional and it was very exciting and and i still feel that way i feel that way anytime that i'm i'm waiting and i hear the music coming on wow. i'm when I'm standing inside and I look out and I see that there's always the crowd outside. There's, right. there's like the, the crowd in the plaza. And then there's also the ones that just kind of walk by down sure. the sidewalk. Yeah, yeah. And I'm always like, say hi to them. And I always <laughs> wave at them. And sometimes I'll take pictures and stuff. Cause I'm like, I think that's so cool. Like I remember being on that side Yeah. and now I get to be in here. So I'm like, I'm going to, you know, give them that moment as much as I possibly can. But it is, it's always thrilling to me. Like it's, like any, when I'm waiting and I'm just seeing like Al and Savannah and all of them doing their thing and just the idea that when I'm in the studio, they, everybody knows who I am now. Like yeah. security knows who I am and people just wave me in and I, you know, they like, I, I know the names of like the security dog. It's like, <laughs> um, like every, like, and it's, I just, I feel very much at home there Yeah, and that is like, it's such a privilege and there's just this like sense of gratitude that I feel that I get. To feel at home there that I, I i'm I'm in this place where everyone is so warm and wonderful but it is also very much this huge magnificent legend of a show yeah. um yeah no. it's never not it's never not thrilling basically. Totally. <laughs>
0: and it's so funny hearing you describe that i'm just i'm having a flashback of my own of like standing yeah. off camera during you know one of my host segments and he was up with, with someone else there and mm-hmm. just looking over And realizing Al Roker was like over my shoulder and he was just, you know, he was checking his phone or the script or what, like he was off camera, just chilling, but was like a foot away from me, you know, and I'm just like, oh, that's Al Roker. You know, it's just a strange thing that you're like, I've watched you for a million years and now here I am in your turf. You're here, Yeah. yeah.
1: It's so, it's so wild because yeah, they, it's, these people I grew up watching this show. Like I've obviously known Al and all of these people for years. I mean, not known them. I've known of them. yeah I've seen them. And then, yeah, getting to be there in those moments and even just all the, you know, all the stuff that goes on. Like I'm, I, I do the Thanksgiving show with them every single year and we're always out on the plaza and like all the crowds there and like the raquettes and yeah. like, it's just this wild experience. And I'm like, this is like insane. And yet it is real life. It is my real life. <laughs> Uh, So it is really, really cool. And even when we were with the PBS show, because the PBS show was very much my first big show, right? Like that's my first show that I'm the host of. um, And I'm not a guest and that kind of thing. And I remember there was this moment the first day on set where we, you know, it was me and then the judges who are Leah Cohen and Graham Elliott and Tiffany Derry. So the four of us, we, you know, they got us all camera ready and everything, but I was the first one that was going to be on set because we were going to start off with clean reads of, my first opening lines, uh-huh. and so we walk into this beautiful barn with, that had been built. It was like fresh; like we were the first people to ever shoot and do anything in
0: this barn. Was it built for the show?
1: No. So the it's a wedding venue.
0: Oh, okay. and I so was they had built. It's so yeah, insane. it's beautiful. Yeah,
1: it's gorgeous. They had built it as a wedding venue, but it hadn't opened yet. Gotcha. So it was like a, and then the first. So basically, we were, or we were, you know, PBS was the first people to. Um, rent the space and they built it out. So they gotcha. set up, they created those um, like the kitchen sets sure, and, yeah, and yeah. all the props and all that stuff. So it's, uh, it's this beautiful, gorgeous space. Yeah. And so they were still doing construction on other parts of the property too, because they were still building houses and other settings and stuff. But we, I think we were the first ones to really do anything there.
0: Gotcha.
1: Um, but I'm there and like, I walk in and they kind of stand me in front sort of facing all the the kitchen sets and none of the contestants or anyone was there. So it was just me 10 sort of uh, little kitchen sta- uh, sets, yeah. and then uh, all the cameras. And because of COVID, everyone's in masks. So all I would see is like, you know, camera and then like some eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like masked up, and then it's just me. And I just had this moment. My first lines were Welcome to the Great American Recipe. I'm your host, Alejandra Ramos. And it was just this like, it's such a simple thing, but as someone who has been introduced, yeah. For years, right? And you know, my name is Alejandra and not everybody gets that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I've been introduced as Alexandra, Alejandra, Alexandria, like so many different things my whole life. And so just having this moment of getting to own that place and to to kind of, you know, represent myself and, and to be there as myself, as 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 the host of the show, it was this very moving moment where I was like, No, you can't hi, what are you doing? Wow. <laughs> Like you need to, you need to like settle down, but I felt it. Like I felt that emotion and I felt a, that same thing that I feel every time I enter Studio 1A where it's yeah. just this, this, sense of like gratitude and enjoyment, but also an awareness of, of the magnitude right. of, of what it is. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, I love that. Yeah. It was really, it was, I mean, a really lovely moment and a lovely shoot and because the show is so much about, I think representation is a huge theme sure. of the show, right? Because it really is about these incredible cooks sh- uh, sharing their treasured recipes, right? The recipes from their grandparents and from their cousins and their family members and their friends, things that they worked on their whole lives. So everything that they're cooking for us is a piece of their story and their history. So it really is all about representation. Like, like we're letting people represent themselves. Yeah, uh, And then, so I while I wasn't cooking or I wasn't sharing recipes, I felt like I also got to represent myself yeah. and kind of introduce myself. And so I think it was just the sort of, I don't know. I just felt like that, that mirror. Cause I, I understood what the contestants were also feeling. Right. Like I knew that they, for them, it was really important to get these recipes, right. Cause it wasn't just, you know, what are you going to make with chicken or what are you going to make with, you know, eggplant? It was very much like, this is my grandmother's story. This is right. my uncle's. This is like they want to represent their family. They want to represent their towns, their regions. Uh, they want to make sure that they get it right. Yeah. Uh, and so there's there's like a joy and a privilege in that, but there's also pressure.
0: Yeah. No. Totally. And you know, just w- one thing about the kind of representation piece that I love too is like it's called the Great American Recipe. Yes. And like that it that it is this kind of broad umbrella of American food. But then it is very specific and people, you know, there are people from all different cultures on the show, contestants, and they bring their their kind of native foods, whether it's Syrian, Korean, Mexican, Dominican, Filipino, like yeah. people from all these different backgrounds and to kind of say, hey, this is American food, too. You know, it doesn't have to just be barbecue or, or burgers and fries or whatever, like, you know, kimchi can be American if you if you do it this way or, you know, whatever it is like. I just exactly. I, I, I like that framing of it, and I feel like it's something that we kind of need in this time too. To just like yeah. where there is there is such a a fragmented national unity, and it's it's hard for us to to come together on issues. Like maybe food is is that common denominator, or maybe that's something that can start trying to bring us back together.
1: Yeah, like I think one thing that you know people always talk about how food brings people together, and I think that there's like there's parts of that that I believe and there's parts of that that I don't, like, I don't necessarily think that you can put like five people who hated each other at a table with (laughs) a great meal and that it's going to be fine. Right. Like, look at Thanksgiving. Uh, So so, like, I don't necessarily think that that it's, it's it's as like, that's as simple as that. But I think that the idea of, you know, there's so much otherness. I think there's so much othering in this country where people think that it's almost like, you know, like, that one thing is, is the neutral or, or the, you know, the true American yeah, the and then everything or, else is, yeah. ex- yes, the default. And then everything else is other, right? Like, um, you know, and I think sometimes it's, it's very harmful. Like sometimes people will be like, Oh, I don't have any culture. yeah, um, And I'm like, no, everybody has culture, right? Every, everything is culture. So just because, you know, I'm a Latina, that doesn't mean that I have more culture than a someone who's a white person who's been here for generations. Right like we all have culture uh and all our all of our recipes are are have equal value and all of the things that we eat have equal value and i grew up in this country i'm you know i was born in new york and i grew up in, in north jersey my family's puerto rican though my parents are both from from um, from puerto rico and they met and married here and so that was very it was one of those things where i'm 100% from there i'm 100% from here like right. we went back and forth all the time my aunts and uncles and cousins all lived there that's like in our home you speak Spanish and English it just sort of flows in and out the the food is like a mix of Puerto Rican things and like things that, that are like look like my town was very Italian-American so there's a lot of Italian-American foods around my like next-door neighbors they were Irish and they used to bring us their soda bread which suddenly became one of our favorites uh, so it was like all these kinds of things where everything becomes a part of your story and I think that it's it's almost that amalgamation right like that in itself to me is what the american story is rather than one individual thing so Mm -hmm. it's not the burger or the pasta or the sandwich or anything like that it's more like the idea that all of these things together are one thing
0: alejandra ramos there what a great conversation i uh i was inspired i loved hearing her story i love the new show make sure you check it out. The Great American Recipe. It's going to be on PBS starting June 24th. Check your local listings for that. It's a great show. It's an amazing group of contestants from all regions of the country, from all different ethnic backgrounds. Really cool cooking stories and uh, really great recipes. You can also find Alejandra on social media, on the Today Show. She's everywhere. And I I think she's just going to get bigger as time goes on. She's you hear it there. She's got great attitude, great personality, and uh really great story. So I'm grateful for her sharing it today. Hope you took something away from it. I've got one update before we go. I have uh, been working harder on the newsletter lately and publishing twice a week now. I still have a long-form issue every Sunday. When I have a podcast episode, it recaps the podcast. But sometimes it's just also interesting stories or tidbits or you know long-form ideas, though, on Sundays. And then Wednesdays, I've started publishing a short form uh, piece that is usually a collection of links or ideas or tweets or just short things to get you thinking about your day and uh, give you a little midweek break. So if you're not already signed up, please go to heathrosella.comslash newsletter to get that in your inbox. And I am at Heathrosella on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you give me a follow over there. Tell me what you like about this show thinking about the next stages for this. I may have some announcements soon. I'm uh, thinking how much longer quarantine creatives is around and what I do with it next. Stay tuned and stay safe.